going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Hollywood Already Did It presents Tis the Season for Hawkeye, our weekly review recap show for the Disney Plus Hawkeye series where we pair it up with a Christmas movie and dissect the themes, ideas, and concepts that make a movie a Christmas movie and finally end these darn debates about what is and isn't a Christmas movie and show. Of course, I'm your host, Blake Schultz, and with me is Jamie Girard. Hello. And Terrence Statham. Hello, everyone. And while this is our second episode of our mini-series of this Marvel pair-up series, it is the third episode of Hawkeye, which confused me while making my notes. Uh, but what did you guys think of this episode? We're now, I think, full stop. We're in it. We've established villains. We're starting to have some fun. We've got some crazy things going on. A lot of stuff is on the table. Terrence, what did you think? Um, so this is, it's funny. I did not think I would care about a Hawkeye series because Hawkeye was just a character that I didn't care much for. Uh, I did like this run. So I was into Kate Bishop on the comics, but I just didn't think I would love this. This by far was my favorite thing that Marvel has done since probably be watching the WandaVision, like the middle of the WandaVision series. Like I love this episode. I've watched it three times already. Like I, you know, loved every aspect of this. It had the comedy. It won. I love when I love when stories take a moment to like let's look at a point in time from the opposite side. Let's look at it from the quote unquote villain side. I know a lot of people hate Last of Us too for that very reason, but that, but that is what you do. You kind of like look at it, say, hey, this is how these people got here. You may not still not agree with you, may still not back up with them, but Echo is this way because of this. Love that. Can we get into comedy? We have a badass action sequence that car chase sequence is one of the greatest like i loved all of that the, the camera turning around in the car i'm like my brain was exploding i'm like what first how the hell did they do that for second this is fantastic i want all of this like i was just in awe the rapport between kate and clint especially once he gets his, his ear out had me in stitches i was like this episode is everything that i want in a marvel series and it it, it nailed it and killed it on all so and uh on all levels for me. And then obviously the little sprinkling of a, of a hidden masterfully fashioned big man uh, was great as well. So I, I'm, I'm all in, this is, this, I'm into this series now. Like you got me. Yeah, I, it's, I love the same. This episode was my favorite by far. And uh, I mean, every inch of it. And it is also like, this was the episode that is the epitome of Christmas action. I mean, Everything about their banter and that car chase scene is exactly what I want in an action anything. And and but then to go right from that into the like heartfelt phone call, it was just it got yeah. my emotions. It's Christmas time emotions. Uh Clint just wants to get get home for the holidays. It's the simplest premise that could ever exist and it hits so hard. Um, every, like, Echo was, I, I, I originally, like, I didn't, don't know Echo super well. So when they announced the spinoff series, I was like, cool, yeah, whatever. And it took me five minutes into this episode to be like, when is my Echo series coming? <laughs> and everything, like, everything about just about that, uh, her story of getting the part is amazing. And uh, that this is her first role and now she's getting a spinoff and the character's so cool. I love a character that is, you know, is she good? Is she bad? Uh, you know, she's not bad, but like there's a lot of questionable stuff there and I'm so into it. Um, but I, I was, I was making a list of, uh, at the end of the year, what are my top 10 Marvel characters at this moment? Cause it's an ever changing list. And Kate Bishop, I think is going to be she's, in the top five. Yeah. She's um, up there. She's 
what I mean, it's partially due to Haley's performance, of course, but just everything about that character is just so enjoyable to watch. Uh, right down to her friggin' wardrobe. Uh, I'm I, if they don't give me a stitch of a hint that she's queer, I'm gonna be mad. No, that, that suit that suit she wore in the first episode was like, oh, she's yeah. Oh, how do I get that coat? Uh, but uh, but the Pym arrow was, I screamed. Uh, just the whole episode was amazing. And I'm so happy it exists. And, I'm and, you know, we, we've been complaining that, like, ah, oh, fuck, six episodes, that sucks. But I'm kind of glad about it because it's going to be so easy to rewatch every holiday season because it's short. And that's what you want. Like, just like we talked last week, uh, Iron Man 3, I'm going to watch that every holiday season until I die. Today I watch Shazam. We're going to talk about all this stuff later. And, like, if you set something at Christmas, I'm going to watch it at Christmas. And if this was, you know, 10 episodes, it'd be hard to do that every year. But six episodes, nah, I can do that next next year and the year after until I'm dead. <laughs> I do agree with that. I'm still concerned. There's just a lot happening. We're now teasing Kingpin. We still have Yelana to show up. We have Kate Bishop's family to deal with. This Ronin suit. These LARPers might come back. We don't know what else is around the corner. So I am still like, ooh, we're halfway through. I don't know if this feels like a halfway through moment, but I agree. This was easily the best episode of the show so far. It will probably be the best episode of the show overall, if only for that giant action sequence we've talked about. We did a full-on giant martial arts archery perfect shot sequence into a fun back and forth banter with a car break-in into a single shot of dialogue camera moves shooting cars changing arrows all the way until we got to a bridge sequence which i am a sucker for bridges trains <laughs> any fast moving narrow thing we can fight on i, I want to be there and then, yeah, the pin arrow goes up. We start running out of ammo. I love watching that. We swing under the train. That might have been one of the best action sequences that Disney Plus has produced for the Marvel shows, bar none. It was incredible. Yeah. And if we can just keep that up for the entire show, something of that caliber, it will just be a pleasure to watch the entire time. But Outside of that, I agree. I love that we got a lot of background with Echo. This is clearly going to be a very complex character. And I do love, I'm a sucker for good behind the scenes stories. It's her first role. Jeremy Renner and Haley Steinfelder learned ASL to greet her on set. These are just, these are like the Christmas stories that make the show even better. These just touching human moments when you're like, oh, I'm so happy. And now we're going to do a whole show for her. We're teasing Kingpin, but I will say, We've been doing the Marvel shows for a while, and WandaVision, my favorite show, was plagued by X-Men, Quicksilver, Mephisto, Doctor Strange. I thought Hawkeye was going to show up. Yeah. Falcon and the Winter Soldier then also had a lot of, is Spider-Man going to show up? Is Ross going to show up? A lot of other rumored cameos that never came that we kept sort of waiting on. Loki actually did have Kang, which was that big one, but that also had a lot of like, ooh, they're going to do this, and we're going to do this, and we're going to do this, and we didn't. What If didn't really have that, but it didn't really need to have that. Right. If Marvel now, for the fifth time this year, has us so riled up about a major reveal to do nothing, I'm going to be furious. Because in the background, I'm still not 100% convinced that we're going to get 
Andrew and Toby in Spider-Man No Way Home. Same. So they're now making a lot of money off of us being like, Patrick Stewart might show up. <laughs> and I'm tired of us doing the marketing for them. Yeah. <laughs> Market yeah. your shows for us. It's interesting. I, I, I can agree with that. I'm still not 100% sure of the Andrew thing. This one, I'm a, I feel like I'm a little bit more believing that that we're going to get Kingpin here. If for no other reason, two reasons. One, uh, in the comics, that character is directly connected to Echo. But two, Vincent D'Onofrio has not done a really great job of hiding the fact that he's a part of this. Like he's retweeting the first episode of, of this series and he's not even a part of it. He's like, this should be good. Like, okay, guys, what are you doing, Vincent? So I feel like that is what we're we're doing. But yes, if he doesn't show up, we riot in the streets immediately. I mean, right? <laughs> like eventually, eventually they just have to come out and be like, nope, we saw the rumors. You're all wrong. Just enjoy a story about a character. No, not everything is a giant setup for the next thing, except that everything is a giant setup for the <laughs> next thing, no matter what we do. Uh, so those two things all made me really happy. But, you know, it's funny. Last week we talked a lot about the Shane Black dialogue, the wittyisms, the banter, the things that make those kind of Christmas action movies and Shane Black movies especially kind of pop, mm -hmm. which I didn't feel like we had too much. And, boy, when they get on that subway, oh, it is, we're, we're in it so I, hard now. I had to rewind that. I rewind that immediately. I was like, there it is. They have chemistry together. This is fantastic. You know, it makes me happy because like Jeremy Renner is very funny when he has somebody to play with. So like giving him that kind of energy to bounce off of is really good. I loved their diner scene. I loved the subway scene with the dog. We're starting to get into kind of bigger themes now of communication and family and togetherness. And I think we're seeing that in very literal ways with him being deaf and her writing on it and trying to say things. And she even has little moments of like, we're learning how to be honest and open and communicate, Clint. That's what we're doing now. Like she's yeah. sort of pushing him along to this next step that I assume is gonna help him with his family troubles. Cause he's not really communicating to them that he's still kind of doing Hawkeye stuff. Right. He certainly hasn't communicated to anybody that he's doing Ronan stuff, Correct. even though there's a high-res photo of Ronan that uh, Julia Louise Dreyfus has on her iPad at the end of Black Widow. So somebody <laughs> knows. I do like that they made it clear that uh, his wife, Linda Cardinelli, wow, I stumbled on that name, didn't I? <laughs> um, knows that he's Ronan. Like, I like that they have like, such yeah. an open relationship. They made it clear that she's aware of it. Uh, because I really, I, I, I know that everyone has their issues the age of Ultron, but I love all that stuff in Ultron. I love their family stuff. And, uh, and even though I'm like, whatever, I'm Clint, uh, I just love Linda and I like that he's really the only character in these movies that is just like a f legit family man Yeah, and it's sweet to watch and I said this um, uh, on uh, Agents of Fandom Fandom Wire podcast I, I visited them this week and, and I like that this show is like very dad positive <laughs> uh, like extremely like, yeah and, and even even not his biological daughter because I love that sequence in the diner because Kate is sort of hinting that I kind of have an idea that you were Ronan. And she's like, well, and he's like, I, not all heroes. I'm not a hero. I'm not a hero. And she's like, well, hold on. You have sacrificed being with your family to help a stranger. I'm just a regular girl who's, I have gotten you into this. And that alone just shows like, yeah, Clint, you may not think very highly of yourself, but you're a good dude. You're a good dude. A good dad, dude. 
Yeah, I'm a, I'm a sucker for any hero being like, I'm not a role model kid. There's always something about that character choice that I'm like, ooh, they've got some baggage. This will be fun <laughs> to watch. <laughs> Why do they think that? Yes. I'm, all, I'm a big, I just love seeing anybody. They're always grizzled when they do it. It's always a good performance. It's always the same scene, yeah. but it's just like, it's just somebody down on their luck. Like, I'm not, don't, don't, don't be move. like me, kid. I'm like, ooh, I love it. Why not, though? <laughs> uh, but yeah. you're right we're doing we're avoiding a lot of like traditional family dad not home for christmas tropes like i think of this is a dumb example but i love the movie like jingle all the way is a movie where arnold schwarzenegger is a dad who's provided a giant house in the suburbs for his family and is buying them seemingly everything they could want his son has captain america painted on his house and he's in like martial arts classes and he's just he's so angry about this turbo man doll and his dad like not be, not even the doll he's mad that he's not going to a parade which is something that we as a society have outgrown <laughs> Even by the time that movie was released, we were done with parades, I feel like. And it, it, it's like, how is this the relatable theme for so long? Why did we normalize just, we got to be real mad at these dads for a while. These just Santa Claus shit. were real yeah. mad at the dad. There was a minute where if you weren't home for Christmas, they were like, I'm going to leave you for cigarettes, dad. <laughs> not the other way around. <laughs> like there was just something in the water of like, so it is nice. Like he gets on the phone with his kid and the kids are just like, I'm just bored and I miss you. And I'm like, this is the kind of like, I don't know, Disney crap that I'm kind of happy. That I kind of happy sometimes. to get every now and then. Yeah. Yeah. When he, when he like, writes like I, to him and was like, Hey, you don't have to come home from Christmas. I was like, this kid is a, a sweetheart. He's like, you know what, dad, you handle your business. I'm okay here. Aww. You know, dad, you went to a back in time and threw your best friend off of a space cliff to get a rock. So I think we'll let this one slide. <laughs> but they're doing a very good job, I think, of keeping those stakes down. But that brings us into the superhero Christmas movie. Because I think, as we're doing this show, if you've seen our other Marvel pair-up series, it's much more historical. We're not really doing that this time because it's harder to do and there's so many movies and so much what is it that we want to get into. So last week we did all the Shane Black movies. This week is going to be a barrage of superhero Christmas time and why those movies are different from regular superhero movies and how it's affecting Hawkeye's journey because, you know, that's why we're here. So we've got Batman Returns, the seminal classic, the sequel to the 89 Batman, Tim Burton's final movie, Danny DeVito's finest performance. We have Shazam, a great first origin movie for a beloved character that was very, very close to the comics, setting up some fun Black Adam stuff, who was really missing in that movie. That's still my biggest issue, as I'm like, it just, it, we just needed Black Adam in this movie. Yeah. I, his sidekick's not as good. And then, as Jamie mentioned at the top of the show, we've got Iron Man 3, I think an underrated Iron Man movie. Fantastic. Shout out to Shane Black for... Uh making it two weeks in a row with our Shane Black week and Iron Man I mean, 3. This, this is his genre. Like, let's yeah. be honest. <laughs> exactly. It's it's like, we kind of talked about Iron Man 3 last week, but you we also have to talk about it again this week. I, I hope we find an excuse to talk about it next week, too. It's my favorite Iron Man. There's a, there's a lot of different ways to look at Iron Man 3, and I think since we also did it last week, I'm going to try my best to get it through a different angle this time. A lens, if you will. <laughs> uh, should we kick this off with 
there's a lot to unpack here. We've got three movies, so I'm thinking we just go right in. What what does Christmas do for all of these movies? What do why do you guys think this was the backdrop for the three films we have? You know, it's it's different for each because Batman Returns, I think, is the best Batman movie personally. Um, because uh, I'm like lukewarm on Nolan, uh, and I love my like it just has so, there's so many factors. And I think that in the case of Batman Returns, I would probably think that even if it wasn't set at Christmas, uh, because there's just so many amazing components. Whereas Shazam, I love so much solely because it feels like a family Christmas movie. If it was just that movie set in the summer, I, I probably have would have only have seen it once. But because it, it's a Christmas movie, I've seen it like five times. Um, and Iron Man 3 is kind of in the middle between those two things. Uh, and But with Batman Returns, it's interesting because it took me a long time to kind of, as a growing up, I never thought of it as a Christmas movie, and now I very much think of it as one. Um, growing up, it's just, this is a Michelle Pfeiffer movie where she's being awesome. Well, she is a badass, yeah. She's so cool. Uh, but there, but there's, there's something about it that, like, the, especially the romance. Um, I love all the scenes between, between them when they're not Batman and Catwoman and they're just, like, making out on the couch and dancing at a party because it, it feels like a Christmas. I also like when they're making out on the couch, Jamie. <laughs> That's a very astute scene oh, to bring the, up. the lick in the cowl <laughs> is still pretty solid, too. Oh, yeah, 100%. <laughs> but, like, it, it feels Terrence, like... That, that goes without saying. <laughs> <laughs> yes. But one of my favorite parts is the when they're dancing and they kind of reveal to each other and they, they realize that who each other is. Mm. I was like, this, that does feel very Christmasy. Like a being going to a big ball. Do we have to Christmas fight time. now? Yeah, I love that. I love that sequence. It's um, hot. It's like, it's such a good reveal. Oh. Yeah. Um, it's funny with these Christmas with these with these films. I feel like Christmas is a great backdrop to counter it with just some of the saddest or darkest things you can possibly get away with. Because you know your default is, we are still in a happy Christmas time, so we can throw whatever pain and anguish and torment we can on the other side of that. So I'm on the opposite side of Jamie, maybe because I was young, older when that came out. Batman Returns, I always have seen as a Christmas movie. Shazam, I did not originally. Uh, and I know it takes place during the holidays. And that's probably because it was a summer release. So it completely ignored me until I rewatched it today. And I'm like, oh, this is super holiday movie. Like, this is a fucking family film. Like, this, that's what this whole thing is about. Him going to hang out with his family, his little sister, being the big huggy person. Like, this is all about family. And it feels way more like Christmas. I already liked Shazam. I think I like it more now rewatching it as with that in my brain. Because I was like, oh, no, this is the really fantastic Christmas flick uh, probably released at the wrong time of the year uh, but I, I think they would have done a bit more of a service if this is a holiday film. I think they chose awesome. Aquaman for that slot. Yeah. Yeah. I, like, like, I think they made it with that intention and then it just like, yeah. like never mind it's coming out in April. Moved it. <laughs> Shame. Yeah. Again, like I, 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 I logged in Letterboxd today and my review is this is a mediocre superhero movie but it's a perfect family movie and, yeah. and that's great. We don't have a lot of that in superhero and, genre. And a lot of the darkness I'm talking about is that like his mom didn't want him. So you're just like oh <laughs> Jesus, this got really dark really quickly. My goodness. That feels like a Christmas time problem. (laughs) Somehow. It is. It's interesting because there is so much family themes in traditional Christmas movies. And I think one of the reasons it works for the Shane Black movies, Die Hard, which we'll talk about later, and all of these is because there is always an element of 
sadness to the holidays. Like people usually get down. They either don't really want to go see their families. They don't have families. They don't feel connected to them. They have problems with their friends. Some people just have depression. Some people get worse depression when the seasons change. It's it's a very happy time in like the cloud. Like I grew up in Chicago, Terrence grew up in Detroit. It was the cloudiest, darkest, dreariest time to be jolly. Yeah. It's a very strange thing of like, well, it's very hard to actually just be <laughs> happy at Christmas. It is cloudy and dark. I have to go the snow the is snow. brown from yeah, cars nuts. driving on it. <laughs> yeah. It's funny because I'm the opposite because I grew up in Florida, but I hated the it so much that I'm like, I, wa- I wanted to be in the dreary cold place. Yeah. And that also happens. Like there, there is a very weird thing, but I think that kind of perpetrates into all these movies. It definitely bleeds right into Shazam because you do have this very sad moment that is hits even harder at the holidays because you you want the family to be perfect at Christmas. You want to sit down and have a good time. You don't want people to argue. You don't want to talk about these things. And to have it kind of be that rejection hits harder than it does if it, that, if it just took place in like May. I take rejection much better in May. I don't know about you, (laughs) breakups, family problems. May is a great, there's a lot of movies to go see to distract myself with. It's a good time. During the holidays, you're like off from work. You have more time to stew. And so it's about a rejection. You're going to like, you're just going to sit there and think about your rejection. Yeah, you just have to live in it. Have you ever been dumped near a holiday? I have exclusively been dumped near holidays. (laughs) And let me tell you, it is, it is no treat. You've spent money on tickets and presents and it's just awful. And you don't want to take them back. You're like, no, I bought them. I keep them. I, I can't fly with these. I've made this special trip. It's the, the worst. But it's funny because going back to Batman, I just got to see that movie in theaters at the New Beverly Cinema in LA. And I kind of watched it specifically this time as a Christmas movie for this podcast. And when you think about it that way, it is such an interesting movie of like isolation, togetherness, family, all three characters, the Penguin, Batman, and Selena Kyle are all sort of after this like sense of family and community and dealing with it in very different ways. Like you sort of have the penguin at the furthest side who's dealt with it the worst, has been rejected, has been rejected from society and now just wants to take over and sort of force it into everybody. He doesn't know how to act. He doesn't know how to get what he wants and he is bad at it. And then you have Selena Kyle, who just wants everything that kind of the everyman wants, the relationship, the good job, the supportive family, and she gets thrown out a window. And there's a lot of references to her dating life and the Tate message of like, I'm going to take that vacation by myself, Selena. I'll see you later. And then you, of course, have Batman, who is the epitome of isolation and not knowing how to balance and watching all of them come together and deal with those problems is exactly how a lot of other Christmas movies are. There's always a very weird sense of like togetherness and community and not being alone. And most of those movies end with, you're not alone. It's the family you've made. Sit down to dinner. There's always a plate at the table. And in this movie, the penguin dies. Catwoman is alone in an alleyway and Batman will never know happiness. So they sort of take all three of those. And the only silver lining is like Gotham is safe. I, I, I love guess. that I love that Tim Burton's solution to Batman 89 being too dark was like, cool, I'll put it at Christmas, <laughs> but I will still F everybody's life up. 
I know it's not going to happen, but but my all I want in this earth is for Michelle Pfeiffer to show up in the Flash movie so that they can have their little happy ending together. I know it's Jamie, not. Gonna I think happen. she might. I sort of think she is. Don't get my hopes up, Blake. <laughs> because if Michelle Did Pfeiffer see... in that movie, I will literally die. <laughs> I will die. Did you Did you see the? Um... Flash Crisis on Infinite Earths crossover a few years ago that has their like marriage in the paper. Oh no, I didn't it's see pretty that. much all, a, a lot of the flash forwards for, for Batman typically have him attached to Selena in some way or another. So, well, I mean, but if yeah, it's, if, if I was going I don't if it's fighting, five, if it's Ke- if we're getting Keaton and forgetting a Selena, it better be Fiverr. If it's anybody else that shows up, we're. Uh, we're we're, we're gonna have a problem. A little side note: uh, I have a plan. The final week of January, I'm gonna have Pfeiffer Fest, and it's gonna be two and a half straight days of me watching Michelle Pfeiffer movies, uh, and I'm really excited about it. Sounds like a good time. Yeah, great. <clears throat> and then, kind of the antithesis of that whole darkness of Batman Returns, one of the greatest. I also really seen it in the theater on film. A lot of those early reviews back in the '90s. We're like, oh, it's too dark, which I always thought they meant like the penguin bites off somebody's nose and Selena Kyle gets thrown out a window and the movie tonally is very dark. On film, that movie is hard to it's physically see. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Yeah, it's very And hard. I like, I kind of walked out and was like, oh, this is what they were talking about. They meant like Tim could have turned on a light and like might have helped out a little switch. bit. You gotta, you gotta, <laughs> where's your boom, folks? Get a mic, get a fucking light. I'm not saying James Cameron up in here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You know, it doesn't need to be like a new sitcom where it's so bright your eyes bleed, but like maybe just a dimmer something. Yeah. Uh, but then yeah. that kind of brings us back to Shazam, which is bright and physically bright. And that one is much more the family you make and sit down and I'm going to build. And we have to watch Billy Batson reject his own rejection and come to this conclusion of like, well, this is my family and I shouldn't be a dick to everybody I meet just because my mom is a bad person, except unlike other people who have had that history, Billy Batson did not make 12 albums with Dre producing them because his mom was bad. (laughs) He just became a superhero. Yes. But similar ideas. Indeed. What I'm saying is Eminem should make a Christmas album, but... That would be very twisted. Uh, I mean, why not? (laughs) it's, It's funny that in the Shazam, though, as, as being a holiday film, everyone else was really easy and happy to tell Billy about how bad his mom was. Like, your mom never looked for you. Like, consistently. They're like, your mom's your mom's gone. No, your mom doesn't want you. Your mom doesn't. And he's like, nope, still holding out hope. I was like, oh, this kid could Yeah, you great. know you're a little piece of shit when everybody around you is trying to help you by literally being like, your mom didn't want you, and more and more people don't want you. Maybe be wantable. Have you tried being wantable? <laughs> you gave him that a shot. <laughs> I really love the, the when they first show the flashback to the night the day he got lost and it's like the way he remembers it is like her being so great and whatever and then when they show it for real it's not really different no the mood is different but it's yep like yeah. he doesn't remember her being tired and exhausted and and I love how similar the two scenes are but just different enough that you understand how she got the way she yeah I, I, it's a really well done shot like that those two sequences alone make that whole movie for me uh because the rest like the superhero stuff like you said isn't that good in it when this gets to the heart that's where this is even with 
even with Mark Strong's character, the, the opening sequence with him in the car and his him flipping over, I was like, this is great. It's hard to watch the, his dad and brother just belittle him. Yeah. Of course he became a supervillain. Right, I don't I would get Mark Strong. <laughs> just oh, it's great. His damn he that guy up. <laughs> I am so upset he's not in the second one. Or at least he says he's not, but... Oh, who knows anymore? People say things he, and don't he say things. He lied to my face because I interviewed him. You can go <laughs> on my Instagram and watch the interview. Uh, if if he's in Shazam 2, I, you're hearing it here first. Mark Strong lied to me. Lied to your face. <laughs> Maybe he'll be in a post credit scene that was in reshoots right. and yeah, we're going to set up the third one. That's true. But he is out of brothers to fly out of windows, so who knows? <laughs> God, that seems cool. It, there are moments, even it's though the great. movie feels very family, there are a couple moments that are like, yikes, like when his like, dark. doctor yeah. he's working with touches the door and she just friggin' evaporates. is terrifying. Him kicking his brother out the window. Like, there's some scary stuff in there, but it, but that's why, like, because it feels like kind of like 80s, 90s. I was going to say, it reminds me of a 90s film where, like, the genre yeah. feels like, oh, we can be dark. These kids are grown enough enough. Yeah. Well, they can deal with this. It also kind of shows you the 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 stuff the MCU won't do. Like, I think that's part of whenever we go watch these other superhero movies, I am like, man, there's some like straight up horror stuff in Shazam and some dark stuff. And Batman Returns is Batman Returns. And, you know, even like the Sam Raimi Spider-Man's always had to like finish the prayer. Like it's got these beats that I'm like, and now we've got Willem Dafoe back in No Way Home. And I just don't think he's going to threaten Marissa Tomei that way. It's not going to be nearly as terrifying, Tom, eh? No. And I'm like, I kind of, I miss some of these really dark, not that the MCU doesn't have those moments, but they're not quite as, they're not handing them out as often, you know? Yeah. You've really got to earn it. Uh, But that, I think, also brings us into Iron Man 3, because that's also a Christmas movie. And if we're sort of talking about three characters being isolated from everything else, we have Billy Batson on his search for a family. Tony's Christmas journey is kind of a little bit of all of it. It's it's very, you know, the whole pitch was, I want to get smaller. So I got to get him out of the suit. How do we get him back in the cave? Is what kind of Shane Black said yeah. when the movie was coming out. Stripping and the down. solution to that was break everything, reduce him to nothing, make a really good Batman movie because he's doing detective work and isolate him from everybody, from the Avengers, from Pepper, from everything. So of course you put it behind Christmas because apparently when you're doing a Christmas superhero action movie, it's all about isolation and separating them from the things they love and care about. That is what we do now. Yeah. What's Um, even cooler about that one is you didn't add in the PTSD that Tony is having. You're just like, well, that's even even more you got to deal with during the holidays, Jesus. We don't see that a lot in, like, the superhero movies, like, how much that these traumatic events, I mean, more so now, I mean, we have WandaVision, uh, <laughs> yes. um, but, like, but, but in 2013, that was, like, uh, big to watch. I think that's why, I feel like Iron Man 3 is kind of divisive. People hate it, people love it. Yeah, you're either and, one or the other. Yeah, and I'm, and like I said, it's my favorite Iron Man movie, and it's not just because Christmas, but that that's a big part of it. Uh, but it's, like, real, and, I, and I'm someone who really loves the Ben Kingsley Mandarin thing, and the fact that they I got, uh, the, them heightening it in Shang-Chi, to me, was so, fun. my friend Eric, who's not, like, a big MCU fan, she texted me the other day, because she's watching Shang-Chi, and she goes, I don't understand this. 
do I need to watch Iron Man 3? And first of all, I cannot comprehend being that casual of a Marvel fan where you haven't seen them all and you're watching this movie. But I had to explain to her, like, yeah, if you want to understand that joke, you, you should you watch Iron Man watch 3. That. Yeah. But I, I love that whole journey, that whole arc. And uh, and I get why people don't. But I think that in, in a way that I often say that Days of Future Past kind of makes X-Men The Last Stand more watchable because they erased it. I think that if you really hated the Mandarin reveal in Iron Man 3, you should go back and watch it now because they fixed it with Shang-Chi. And yeah. uh, I think that if you if you keep that in mind, you might enjoy it more because it's a really good movie. I think the one shot. And especially now like, that All Hail the King the is shot. on Disney+. Plus. Yeah, so the, yeah, the All Hail the King one shot you should watch too, yeah. So I agree. My my biggest problem with Iron Man three is actually the too big of ending. I think when we we blow up all the suits, and my only gripe with that is that up until Endgame, Tony's arc kept being I'm done. We saw him be done at Iron Man three, and then he or uh, yeah at Iron Man three, and then he just shows up in the Avengers Age of Ultron, and there's no connecting to that. At the end of Age of Ultron, he's like, oh well, you know, I'm gonna go do Clint's life. I'm out. And then, like, the closest we get to resolution with that is the line I do like in Civil War when he talks about him and Pepper breaking up. And it's, well, I told her I was going to stop, and then I didn't stop, and then I stopped, and I didn't stop because the truth is I don't want to stop. And I was like, that's all I really needed to make to all of clean this that keep up. making sense. Yeah. But in the moment, I just kept being like, all we're doing with this character is having him say he's done, and then he... only to drive a dump truck of money up to Robert Downey Jr.'s house and have him not be done. You're not done yet, sir. Um, <laughs> Which clearly the end of those arcs was just in case the actor at the time was like, I'm going to go make the judge. Yes, we don't. Yeah. And he was yes, like, we... I did it. And it was awful. No <laughs> one saw this. So bring me more money. <laughs> Have you been on independent sets? They're not great. <laughs> Everyone's asking me for money. I'm just going to keep making Iron Man movies. That was my favorite interview ever. It's, <laughs> it's funny with Iron Man 3 because it is my favorite too. Although I like, I like the first half of Iron Man 1 a lot. I think that's why I like most of Iron Man 3 because there's a lot of that, except for like Blake said, that that third act gets really unnecessarily large. I think Iron Man 3 has the best action sequences. I love that attack on his on his compound. Mm. It's great. I love the plane sequence. I love the plane sequence. Like those are two of my favorite Iron Man act solo Iron Man action sequences that exist in Marvel. It's that's it's that third act. I think the action sequences are good in that third act. It's just why is how do we get so large? But this movie works the best for me when it's just those solo moments with him doing detective work in the bar or doing detective work with the kid and kind of figuring stuff out. I think that's when this movie shines. For me, for after coming after Avengers and all the other stuff to get super small and intimate on in the Christmas setting, it just it just got me. Like it just works for me. I, I know it was a joke that Ty Simpkins showed up at his funeral in Endgame. Everyone was like, why is he here? Who is that kid? I really loved and appreciated that. Because, uh, like, I did this whole joke video about how about him hating Peter Parker because he replaced him uh, as Tony's, like, protege. But but the fact that, like, you know that Tony kept in touch with that kid enough that he's one of the only people invited at his funeral. I just, I love it. It's the same thing with, like, even though Thor the Dark World is not good, they were like, but it's canon, and we're going to make it very important. In Keep trying to make that a thing. <laughs> and I like that. They're like, they're not shying away from from anything. It's It happened, and we need to acknowledge that it happened. I think even in the films that people consider to be the worst, there are always moments that are like, ah, uh, yeah, that is a treasure trove of stuff we can go back to. Like anything with Rene Russo, you kind of like, eh, we kind of need to. We need to keep that around as much. That Loki sequence in the prison of Dark World, as bad as that movie is, you're like, well, that alone is worth the price of admission. 
Well, it also kind of shows you that we're no longer doing in movies in general, the like 90 minute arc for a character, the, the fatal flaw, the moment of failure, the false victory, and then the, oh, I've learned and changed. Now we're gonna do that for a decade. And so when you do that, you are gonna have worse movies that have scenes that really are important to who that character is. I mean, even like, I think people have come around to a lot of the lesser tier Marvel movies now that we can kind of see the forest for the trees. Uh, so even like Age of Ultron, which I always liked, but other people didn't. It's in my top five. Has, it's great, but it has big moments too for Tony. Of the, That's when he really starts getting like, I got to build a suit around the, of the planet. I got to, I got to do this. I got to, which, you know, in Infinity War comes back around when he's even like, I've been, he's been in my head for six years. Like you see all that panic and that all starts in Iron Man 3 at Christmas. And I think the other reason that that Christmas backdrop works is because there is an agency for him to return to normal. And it's kind of the rejection of what his normal was, that it really is that moment of like, it's gone. You don't even get to just enjoy Christmas with Happy and Pepper anymore. It's all over. You're Iron Man now. And ironically, the rest of that arc is learning that he's not just Iron Man. He is still Tony. So it kind of uses these familiar ideas of Christmas to both kind of like preserve his past and push his future as I make a sub-zero ice ball when I do my metaphor for those watching. Um, yes. But I think it's good. And I think all these Christmas movies then, because one thing I was thinking about when I was putting together this outline was, well, are they really that different from regular superhero movies or are we just happy to see like ornaments and candy canes and music? And I, I sort of came to the conclusion that they are very different because when you sort of compare Iron Man 3 with Iron Man 1 and 2 and the rest of this arc, which we did, like those, the themes in 1 and 2 are so much bigger. I mean, 1 is all about like, you know, what you're putting out into the world and being responsible for your company and having accountability of your actions and really changing and learning how to care, which I think is where a lot of characters start even like the first few spider-man movies are power and responsibility and learning how to balance your life and keep all of your plates spinning and most of these movies are good versus evil and friendship and teamwork and getting together to stop the bad guy and the greater good and the one thing all three of these christmas movies have that a lot of the other ones that we mentioned don't is that intimacy that taryn's brought up there's always a very personal arc when we use the holidays as a backdrop even in the other action movies we talked about the stakes get a lot lower than like thanos is here and it does get much more like i've got to be home for the holidays but while i'm doing that i also need to deal with my trauma and heal as a person it's a lot more looking inward than i think we mm -hmm. usually get like captain america hasn't really had a lot of just like sitting and meditating movies i guess outside of like winter soldier where he's really challenged but it's always these larger than life bombastic stories like and that's more Steve. relatable like you know uh i'm family struggles of the holidays are more relatable than this alien is gonna come and decimate the earth you yeah know? I, I i love so it all the time the one when when you get superheroes stripped down to something that i can relate to the reason why a lot of times i don't connect with superheroes like superman a lot of times is like i there's nothing i can't connect to this i there's nothing that we would have in a one-on-one -on -one. but if you tell me that like yo i really want to get around to my family for the holidays i'm like i i do too I, how are you going to do this please get there 
Superman will just fly around the earth three <laughs> and times. stalk them, and, and then he will just watch them from <laughs> afar in a house. Yeah, he'll be fine. Superman. Superman always makes it. <laughs> well, he doesn't really. You know what? His holidays probably aren't great, but <laughs> but you're right. Like you, we do get a always, and I think that's where the Marvel movies and Spider-Man movies and and the, the successful superhero movies always find that intimacy anyways for every big bombastic captain america movie he has moments with just peggy with just nick where he's talking with him and bucky and spider-man's full of small little moments that make him a relatable character and guardians has these small little scenes but like it's it's baked into the dna of the christmas one it isn't just a moment for you to connect you're on that journey with them the whole time we're never really letting up and that's why it's interesting that iron man 3 then gets like fireworks at the end they don't it almost becomes like a fourth of july movie i think he even makes a comment of like starting fireworks yeah it is the it is out of the three of these it is the film that least hangs on to his christmas stuff other than that middle act when he's with the kid and then it's like ah uh, yeah there's still snow on the ground but let's blow up and get pretty and let's go off and drive in my sweet car and that no one yeah and it doesn't have like a christmas morning scene it ends with him throwing the reactor off into the water there's no yeah. like him and pepper enjoying opening presents or anything except for the, outside of the, bunny. Giant, the giant bunny it's a is... giant bunny jamie it's not weird it's a present <laughs> it's one of my fa- it's, a, it's almost like a seinfeldian moment they put in iron man 3 where it's like later he should be having dinner with whoever the Avengers George is, being like, I got her the big bunny. I don't know what the problem was. Uh, but it's interesting because all these things we're talking about were seen come out in Hawkeye. And I think the Christmas backdrop, you know, I harped on people calling him boring last episode, and I will do it again. Uh, but, you know, to Jamie's point, he is the family man. We see him to end the farmhouse. He's always kind of looking out for them. He's he's sort of already the one. Everybody else gets this like, ah, oh, the family you choose. And now the Avengers are a family. And Cap and Tony are friends. And Banner and Thor. And science bros with Tony and Banner. But like Clint always had Nat. He was sort of emotionally probably the furthest ahead it's probably why he's boring he's the most emotionally mature of the avengers he's not doing he's not hooking up with reporters like tony was and finding his like lost brainwashed friend that man had his life together yeah he was he was an archer with a job yeah he didn't have to go like figure out the accords even when he stays out of the messes he's not even in there hey clint there's a legal political battle going on. Would you like to decide? He was just like, I am retired. And then later he's like, Captain America needs me, which is like, <laughs> fine. But like, it, you know, there's a minute where he's like, nah, I'm out of the game. But, you know, he keeps getting pulled in. It is like a lethal weapon Godfather 3 situation for him. Like a good dad, uh, but we do around, see... it's around one of the daughters. Like he, Wanda's his little girl now. So he's like, I got to go protect her. Yeah, he's he's always the most like emotionally connected to this team. They even like Linda Cardellini even says it in Ultra, which is like, well, they need you. You're the heart and the soul. And once you're gone, they're just gonna do solo movies that won't make as much of the box office. <laughs> uh, but you know, we do. He is immediately separated from his family in this show. He is adopting Kate, who's separated 
Echo's entire thing seems to be that she lost her family. All of these characters are isolated. We're sort of in a like Disneyified Batman Returns in this show where it's like everybody sort of is looking for the same thing that the Penguin, Catwoman, and Batman were. I low-key feel that's where we're sort of headed, headed with Kate because I feel like we're about to learn that her mom's not on the up and up. And we may learn oh, she that she smells via. like a super villain. If you could oh, yeah. bottle a fragrance and put in a perfume, and Calvin Klein could sell it and call it oh, a yeah, super villain, 100%. she would be the model for it. Are but I have a feeling me? that Clint's going to realize that before she does, and Clint's going to tell her that, and then she's going to end up fighting from them. So you're going to have that moment where they have to sort of separate a minute, and that's going to be heartbreaking too because you have to do that in this Christmas time. It's like, oh, we got to keep our heroes apart for a bit. But in the end, he's hey. going to bring her in. Yes. And he's going to be that surrogate dad. That's bad. <laughs> I do hope, because I just love those Matt Fraction comics so, so much. And I don't think it'll be the same, because in those, she pretty much tells him to kick rocks and heads to the West Coast by herself. So I am sort of hoping that we get the, like, fun family Christmas, and then she's like, hey, politely kick rocks, and right. gets in the car and goes to the West Coast. Yeah. Got I nothing. have to assume... That we're either building the West Coast Avengers or the Young Avengers or all of it. There is yeah. a West Coast event, like a big West Coast Avengers Easter egg. Um, uh, her is aunt, her aunt name is on the. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah, I saw that. Very important. So I, I do think that's where they're headed. Whether or not we're getting more Jeremy Renner, if it, it kind of feels like this is the end of Renner's run. I, I think so too, but I don't think they're going to remove him. I think he's still going to be a Hawkeye on the East Coast, and she's going to mm. be like, "Well, you got this this coast covered. I'm going to go ahead over to this side." With my well, that's, yeah, they both go by Hawkeye in the comics eventually. So it would stand to reason that this will be the first time where we're really going to see a literal passing of that guard. Yeah. Um, which I would love because I think that would be great. But we're clearly, you know, Disney can't help themselves making these teams and building up to something big. So we got to we got to do it. But I think that we're going to we're signing off all of the original six. I think, you know, Tony and Cap are gone. Thor 4 is going to come out. That'll probably be Hemsworth's last hurrah. Banner and She-Hulk and Hawkeye here. And, you know, Nat's Amen. also gone. Like, I yeah. just have to assume that we're really Toy Story 3 in these characters. Well, we're ushering in so many new and younger folks that they're they're bringing on. Like, Riri is getting her own, like, an Echo is a part. Of, like, they're clearly stacking the deck. Like, we're going all young. And I love it, mostly minority. So it's it's a it's a pretty cool wave that is changing for this and I, i'm in and uh i think that's been our show guys thank you so much for watching and listening don't forget to subscribe and leave a review and let us know what you thought of the episodes and your favorite christmas action movies that maybe we should throw in you can follow the show at hollywood adi on twitter and instagram and the youtube channel is hollywood already did it where terrence has the other reviews and reactions and re uh, responses that's on but there's no response videos we're not doing like diss tracks to anybody <laughs> um, but all of those other videos are there on the channel. Then we also have the main Hollywood Already Did It podcast about review, reviews, reboots, remakes, sequels, adaptations of movies, and why we keep telling these stories. And the first season of You Can't Do That Anymore about movies that you might not be able to make anymore because of uh, how they've aged. Then you have all of our other Marvel tear-up shows. There's one for every single Disney Plus show that they've done so far. Jamie, of course, is at comicbook.com and on the Phase Zero podcast. And I also have... How do you figure about action figures? I'm at, as always, Blake. Jamie is at Jamie's Cinema Action. Terrence is at Terrence Tatum. And we will see you guys next week. Merry yeah. Christmas. <laughs> <laughs>